You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we move into the second week of our Star Wars month. We get ever closer to the release of The Last Jedi. Everybody's so excited for that. They want to think Star Wars, breathe Star Wars, talk Star Wars, and listen to people talk about Star Wars and do all those things as well. And that's what we're here to do as we have moved on from the absolute rubbish and pile of crap that was the Star Wars holiday special to move into the absolute rubbish and piece of crap that is Caravan <laughs> of Courage and Ewok Adventure. Oh my goodness. We are really bringing home the esteemed movies here at the moment on the Oz Network. Um, my name is Ben, and that's not a Star Cruiser, that's a horse. And my name is Colin. This is your axe. You need your axe. You're going to need it. You're going to need your axe. And I just want to point out right now on the record, Colin Hilding and myself are not professional actors, but we just acted better than both those (laughs) scenes in this movie. Um, Yeah, I had no idea what to expect coming into this. Um, Just like, at least with the holiday special, I expected it to be crap. Um, And all I was told with this was, it's better than the holiday special. Um, mm-hmm. a point which I'd agree with, um, but, <laughs> um, oh, I don't even know what to say. Um, I mean, look, I, I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I mean, everybody who has a pulse is, um, and if you don't, then you're just an idiot. But I mean, I like to think that I know a fair bit about Star Wars. I'm not a super fan. I don't obviously watch everything and read everything. I don't know how to read. So that's why. And just to that extent, but, you know, I mean, I knew this existed. It's not like one of these, I watched a random YouTube video of top five things you probably didn't realize existed in the Star Wars universe. And this was on it. And I'm like, really? But I mean, I knew it existed, but I just kind of not gone out of my way to ever kind of watch it. And I like the Ewoks. I'm not one of these people who hate on the Ewoks Uh in Return of the Jedi. I've always liked Ewoks. Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars film. So, yeah, but I just... (laughs) I remember two weeks ago when I'd never seen either of these two films. They were, those are good times. Um, so, I mean, this was my first time ever we're watching just, this. Uh, are we ruining your anticipation for The Last Jedi now? <laughs> uh, apparently. We're meant to be, like, doing... I, I probably find it funny how, like, people are, like, saying, like, watch this. Oh, DC month, finally, we're going to have a podcast where they'll agree that the DC movies are pretty shit. Uh, but, oh, Star Wars month, at least, you know, they'll find the fandom and the love and the joy in kind of these older films <laughs> probably kind of doing the opposite but yeah i don't really know what to say at this point um i don't really have to say anything in regards to my history with the film my history is i watched this yesterday and i'm about to talk about it so there you go i've wrapped up my history (laughs) uh well mine's a little bit different because i did see this when i was a kid i saw both movies when i was a kid um And it'll be interesting when we get to Battle for Endor next, because uh, that's the one I watch more of. I think I only saw this once as a kid uh, and then saw it again a few times as an adult. What's funny is that I I never regarded this as a great movie, um, and I'm definitely not going to be as critical as you are, but it's been a good 10 years since I've seen this, and something about it just doesn't hold up as well this time, and... uh, (laughs) I will say I'm excited for when we get to the next one because the next one definitely I think a lot of the complaints you're going to have 
the second one improves on that and they probably had a little bit more time to spend on it but i mean this just screams of you know rushed tv spin-off uh because george lucas was just looking for something to do with his spare time after finishing you know 10 years worth of making star wars movies but i mean th- there are there are times i've watched this movie and kind of enjoyed it and there are times like now where i watch it and i'm like wow does, does anything happen in this movie and how much of this is are they are they walking more than the hobbits in Lord of the Rings and are we seeing less scenery than we see in uh, I don't know any uh, uh, trip to the woods? It's just yeah, there's a lot of problems I have with this one, but I will say like you, uh, I, I'm not a hater of the Ewoks. Uh, I actually really like the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. Maybe it was because again I saw it as a kid. Uh, I will say I feel like in some ways the Ewoks are handled better at least for what the intention was for them in these movies, and they were Return of the Jedi. But we'll kind of get into that throughout the next two weeks. And I probably agree with that last bit. I mean, I, one thing I didn't have a problem with this film were the Ewoks. <laughs> I actually <laughs> really like the Ewoks in this. Um, so, yeah, uh, obviously we'll talk a bit. I mean, it's famous last words right now here on the Oz Net, but I really don't see this uh, episode going that long. Uh, there's really not a whole lot to sort of cover play-by-play play and scene-by-scene. Scene. Um, I mean, you listening to this right now will know how long this goes to. Uh, seeing that it goes for seven hours, you're probably thinking, wow, they regretted saying that at the beginning. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like Colin had the idea, obviously, in the lead up. You know, we we're always going to do a Star Wars month, of course. Um, I'll put all the blame on Colin. <laughs> <laughs> always. Um, but, you know, Colin sort of suggested that instead of doing the generic, let's watch each of the movies in the lead up, you know, sort of the official main movies, uh, let's do something a little bit different. So it's not going to take as long and we'll save doing all the movies in order when it comes to episode nine in 2019 so i mean i was kind of like always intrigued and interested when it came to these four that we're covering because again i've never seen any of them uh i still haven't sort of watched the second ewok one or clone wars yet um and i often hear that clone wars uh isn't that good but i'm telling you now this is that's probably looking like a masterpiece compared to if uh you know next week has anything i'm not sure you haven't watched it yet but um yeah i mean i was always intrigued as i said as a star wars fan to kind of finally see this because i i mean i think i have seen these laying around on dvd somewhere because they released the two ewok ones unlike the holiday special officially on dvd did they not yeah i own it that's what i was watching today not that that gives away my review i'm not necessarily <laughs> buying this movie but <laughs> it, it's like one disc where you flip over one side to the other with no features and that's all that's ever been released oh the good old flipping over dvd days i remember those um they were annoying as fuck um but yeah, I mean, just a bit of background, I guess, kind of as you mentioned, obviously, um, George Lucas sort of wanted to continue this on, and, and unlike the holiday special, um, he wanted to be involved, and basically, um, this was his way of making sure that this was better than the holiday special, uh, <laughs> which again, it is, <laughs> but that's not really that hard. Killfield 2 was better than the holiday special. Uh, so, well. <laughs> come on, I think even you, I mean, the acting was better in Killfield 1 and 2 than it was in this film that we're about to recover. Um, Ooh, remain silent on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, he initially sort of came up with it as a one-hour television special, and it was sort of shipped around a little bit to networks, and eventually ABC picked it up and kind of said, oh, well, how about we make it a two-hour movie to put it in the movie of the week slot? So that's why they kind of extend it. And I'm going to say this right now. 
I think that's a like this would have worked so much better in a one hour, like a forty two minute sort of um, TV special rather than it because seriously yeah. you can cut so much. You know how you always edit stuff to make things better. I want you to like edit this, and I yeah. swear this would take like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> There's like yeah, so it's just much. gonna be it's just gonna be Star Cruiser whoosh, Star Cruiser crash, <laughs> and then that's it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was kind of, um, you know, the background there, but I mean, it's got obviously when it comes to, uh, some other names sort of involved with George Lucas, obviously, um, Thomas G. Smith, the producer, uh, who worked at the time for Industrial Light and Magic, he sort of was involved. So, you know, this, I mean, the special effects, I will say kind of, you know, getting a bit of ahead of ourselves here when it comes to talking about this sort of stuff, but. I actually was surprised that that they weren't as maybe bad as I was anticipating. I mean, I'm not saying they were brilliant, but, um, you know, I I did find sort of like a a five-minute comedy review of both the Ewok movies, and it was actually kind of funny, some British guy, and he was, like, talking about the special effects were just terrible, and I I watched that before I watched this, and I actually was surprised. I actually kind of thought that a lot of how this looked uh, looked quite good, Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how much more I'm meant to add here in terms of the going into it. I think that sort of covers it. I mean, you might be able to put in some more background and some other stuff here because you're, mm. you're a bit more of a bigger fan of Star Wars than I am when it comes to clearly you own this. But, um, I mean, <laughs> I will also say that uh, I, I had to look up when this was set because I just assumed this was set after Return of the Jedi, but apparently this was set in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So that was a random mm-hmm. little thing. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you've got anything more to add sort of on the on the pre-stuff here. Um, I mean, you missed one big name as for who was involved. That's Joe Johnston, which oh. uh, Joe Johnston, of course, he started with Industrial Light and Magic, working on visual effects for the original trilogy, kind of transitioned here. And I think he was like a an art director for this movie or production design. I think a full production designer is what he was on this one. And it would only be a few years after this where he got into directing. And, of course, he's gone on to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Jurassic Jumanji, October Sky, Jurassic Park 3, yeah. Um, Captain America First Avenger so I mean that's probably one of the first examples of George Lucas sort of bringing somebody up and you know promoting them you know with each movie uh, if this movie I think will be remembered for anything it'll be Joe Johnston's first uh, actual proper film credit uh, outside of just working on visual effects which I mean I I mean I knew I know who Joe Johnston is um but, like, sometimes I, I don't realise the extent of his work because, I mean, Joe Johnson is kind of sort of like a common name. I kind of thought that maybe there was, like, a couple of sort of Joe Johnsons involved in similar things, but um, clearly not. There's the Joe Johnson that directed Jumanji, and then there's a different Joe Johnson that did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Well, when I, when I, just, when I recently watched the first Captain Avenger movie and it sort of came out directed by Joe Johnson, I'm like, oh, okay, right, okay, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like Joe Johnson. I mean, Jurassic Park 3, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know the weakest of the four films but um you know that's next year Jurassic Park month oh get excited man uh, but um yeah I mean it's it's kind of it's interesting I think that the extent of because I, I think you and I are obviously of a certain age I mean you're a little bit older than I am but I mean we obviously weren't growing up when the original trilogy was coming out and you know like my parents were your parents were you know and um I did ask my dad recently, uh, oh, did you remember the holiday special? And he's like, no, nope, never heard of it. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but, like, I guess kind of a lot of this, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a review, is that 
at the time, I'm, I could imagine this would have been just such a big deal. I mean, just think about it today, if all of a sudden, you know, Rogue One, as an example, was a TV movie. You know, I mean, it, w- it would be such a big deal um, to kind of go out of the way. And I kind of think that it's, I mean, <laughs> you know, we're going to have a lot of, well, maybe I will, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of issues with this damn thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think it's kind of just the extent of how big Star Wars obviously became and has obviously becoming part of culture. But, I mean, this is still, what, six years, seven years into the history of Star Wars and we're kind of getting, like, TV specials and things like that and all these people that are involved in it. I mean, I, I just kind of find that sort of maybe we need to sort of mention just heading into this about just the history with that because, you know, it's it's something that you don't really get today because everybody's now just going to make it as a movie because we've got expanded universes and all this sort of stuff or it's just going to be a Netflix TV series straight away, download all 12 episodes at once. It's I feel that the last time that we've kind of had a movie franchise take over a network sort of and have some sort of special, maybe it was Shrek. I don't know if there's been other ones that kind mm-hmm. of have done it since. I mean, I remember those really bad Shrek holiday special. So, yeah, I don't know if there's been other ones. And I'm still waiting for the Titanic Christmas uh, special that we talked about in the holiday special. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think just how quickly this came out after Return of the Jedi 2, you know, it does feel very rushed, but you have to think this is the biggest trilogy. I mean, at this point, trilogies weren't even really a thing. I, mean, I don't think the word trilogy may have been around. I'm sure it exists in the English language, but... <laughs> What we know now is you just say the word trilogy and people are like, oh, yeah, three-part movie series. I mean, Star Wars was the first one to really do that, where it was a complete story, you know, beginning, middle, and end. And this thing is the biggest franchise in history, and it ends, and one year later, you're tuning into ABC, you know, on a Sunday night or whatever, and it's like, oh, they got an Ewoks movie now, and a year later, another. Like, there were basically two Ewok movies within two years of Return of the Jedi. In the, the amount of time it would take them to release a Star Wars Episode Seven, if they did that back in the 80s, they released two Ewok movies in the middle of that because it was like three years in between Star Wars movies. Yeah. So, I mean, Star Wars was still really big at the time, and I think that also just speaks to this perception that modern-day audiences have where you know the kids become adults and like, oh, those Ewoks weren't so good after all. <laughs> this kind of shows like the Ewoks at the time were popular. It's... It's kind of like, you know, this uh, thing with Jar Jar Binks where they're like, well, everybody hates Jar Jar Binks. It's like, well, every adult hated Jar Jar Binks, but kids actually did like Jar Jar Binks, believe it or not. And kids liked Ewoks, and they were kind of a big deal at the time. Um, it, it just shows, you know, the popularity of Star Wars as a whole that even after watching this movie where I would question now how any kid's going to get entertainment out of a movie where nothing happens. Uh, and a year later, you know, just as many people are still tuning in for the second part. I, I did also find it funny when you mentioned, like, you know, if Rogue One had a spinoff. And I can already picture, you know, Caravan of Statistics, the KTSO story, coming soon to ABC. <laughs> but um, it, it would be weird. You think of any movie franchise that finishes, you know, Thor just had his third movie. You know, obviously, we know Thor is going to continue on with everything else. But if next year we had the Loki holiday special on ABC, <laughs> it would be a little bit unusual. I'm just waiting to see him in a bar, like, going, my brother d- abandoned me. My father chose him. I'm not really part of the stir, family. Stir, whip, 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 stir. <laughs> with his horns. Whip, 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 whip. <laughs> Natalie Portman stoned. Oh, hurry up. Get to the next part. <laughs> um, uh, Jaw, I just had to look it up. I was thinking, did Jaws have a third movie by 1984? They did. Jaws 3 came out in 1983. So, um, well, it wasn't like Jaws 3. They're like the final chapter. God, we had to wait a few more years till the beloved Jaws <laughs> the Revenge. Can we do that movie one day? <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> the roaring shark. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, it's kind of interesting though. I mean, again, like, I, I just, I never got Ewok hate. They, I just love the Ewoks and we'll probably talk a lot about that sort of through this and in the, the next one. But I mean, is Cha Cha Binks ever going to be beloved? <laughs> Here, you know what? We'll get into it now because we won't have another chance because he's not in the Clone Wars. But here's a funny thing with Jar Jar. Uh, there was all this Jar Jar hate, but you did have, like, obviously kids still like Jar Jar. There are some adults where it became a cult thing where they love Jar Jar. And I remember opening night of Attack of the Clones. And when Jar Jar first appears, there's a good, like, 20 people in the theater that start erupting with applause. Like, they're so excited. And I thought, oh, this is just like an ironic joke or something. And then when the Clone Wars animated series came out and they had a two-part Jar Jar episode, uh, it had like the highest ratings of the season. So there's like this really big Jar Jar, you know, contingent on the internet that's like diehard into him. Probably the way that we're going to be pushing the Ewoks. Well, I, when I, I mean, I guess I was 12 when episode one came out. I liked Jar Jar. I mean... I was the target audience, so... I mean. <laughs> well, the target audience might have been a little bit younger than you, but yes. Yeah, um, I literally just Googled defending Jar Jar Binks, and it came up with 80,100 results. And, like, there's so much shit here, like, coming up with... Wow, that's crazy. We, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll do episode one one day, and we're obviously going to... Probably they're going to be, like, two, three-parters when we eventually do all the Star Wars movies, like, the yeah. ones, but... Um, you know, I, I don't completely drink all of the haterade on Jar Jar. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Different Caravan of Courage, Courage of Jar Jar adventure. Um, that would be an interesting one. He'd <laughs> still be a better actor. Uh, we're here to talk about... <laughs> uh, so, I mean, the big names that were in this. Um, Eric Walker. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, what's the, uh, Aubrey Miller, introducing Aubrey Miller, um, cool, um, Guy Boyd, yep. Now, Fionula Flahagan, this was pointed out to me, (laughs) I'm saying a name wrong, you can laugh me all you want, um. I just like that the N is silent, you're like, Flahagan. (laughs) It's, it's, it's Irish, her name's probably just like Jenny Smith, um, (laughs) but like, uh, download our Lost coverage, now available on uh, the Oz Network. But it was pointed out to me by Noah that this is um, the lady in Lost, who's, like, later on in the season. Um, I can't remember her exact name in Lost, but she's, like, connected to um, Widmore and all that sort of stuff. Did you did you know who she was? I'm sure you probably did, but... Um, uh, I mean, no... Eloise Hawking. Her, Eloise like, Hawking in Lost, that's who she is. Yeah, I recognised her. I wouldn't put the two together. Yeah, I just... I, and she's the mom in this, right? Yeah, she's the one in the... Yeah, you see for like two seconds. Uh, she was also in an episode of Nip Tuck, which we recently discovered. Um, but yeah, I just... I kind of think she's the only one in this. Uh, had you heard of uh, any of these people editing nowadays? Like, I mean, Burl Ives, the narrator. I mean, I think what he narrated, that Rudolph thing, which like, I've never seen, which everybody goes on about, but I don't think it's really made it here in Australia as much as it did in North America. But, I mean... I mean, he's an Oscar winner, too. Well, that too. Um, but... Um, I mean, Warwick really- Davis! Well, of course, Warwick Davis, but um, was he, like, much of a big deal back in 1984, or was he kind of only just starting no. off his career? I mean, his first role, 14. I think, was Return Yeah, like, Return of the Jedi, he was 12 or 13 when he made that, and that was his first role, and I think that was one of the reasons George Lucas said he wanted to make this, you know, Ewok thing. Uh, it wasn't because he thought the Ewoks were necessarily, oh, we got to do something on Ewoks, but he was so impressed with Warwick Davis 
on Return of the Jedi, especially for him being like, you know, a, a kid, 12, 13 years old. And just the the way that he was able to like bring this character alive, like because I believe the story is Warwick Davis wasn't even playing one of the main Ewoks. Uh, they had a completely different actor. I think it was actually supposed to be Kenny Baker who was playing Wicket in Return of the Jedi. And it was just George Lucas observing this kid and all the physicality he had with this role and, you know, what he was able to do to, to really make this Ewok have personality, where he's like, well, let's use this kid instead and then just be impressed with that. And it's funny because I didn't even realize until uh, I was watching this movie today and I mentioned to my wife, I'm like, you know that Warwick Davis became George Lucas's next Harrison Ford? <laughs> because everything he made for the rest of the decade was Warwick Davis. There was Ewoks 1 and 2, then he did Willow after that. So, I mean... Willow's probably the thing that made him a bigger star, but I mean, I'm going to have a lot of praise for Warwick Davis as we go throughout this. One of arguably the three most famous um, is Dwarf, the politically correct term, I think it is. Am I, I don't, like, mm-hmm. anyway, just want to say that. Um, alongside, what, uh, Peter Dinklage and Vern Troyer, um, Kenny Baker, of course, maybe just hanging on there, but um, I don't know, just randomly putting that out there. Um, <laughs> he was the one that, of course, I famously forgot his name. What episode was that when I couldn't remember his name? Um, you couldn't remember Warwick Davis? Yeah, you and I and Lower, we did, was it a Bond episode and somebody mentioned Warwick Davis and I'm like, who's that? And you all like went off at me. <laughs> uh, did you call him Linda Spencer in that episode? Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? Uh, Linda Spencer. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I felt like starting this episode going, two podcast hosts needed to start doing an episode on Caravan. Like, I can't do a Burl Ives voice, though. I mean, it really is like a David Attenborough documentary, this almost, in many points, isn't it? We, yeah. You know? <laughs> well, if you had ever seen Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I think you'd realize the reason that uh, Burl Ives is in this is because it's basically the same story. Uh, and I'll kind of point that out, you know, for the other listeners who have seen it um, throughout that's, this. But it's like a big deal in North a, America, isn't it? That Rudolph thing. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Like I watch it every single year. We have like, you know, ornaments on our Christmas tree, like tons of them that are just Rudolph characters and everything. Uh, the thing's 50 years old and it's still just as big now as it was 50 years ago. But yeah, Burl Ives narrates that. He actually more than narrates it. He sings in it, of course, and he plays a character, or I guess the, he plays the narrator. So the only thing we're really missing as far as the similarities between this and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is no singing Burl lives. Because even the story of kind of these two orphans uh, who, you know, go off, or run away or whatever, uh, and eventually, you know, they end up in a cave and there's uh, their their loved ones are being held captive by this monster and they have this this battle with the monster... It's the exact same story as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, except not nearly as fun this time. Well, yeah, I, I, I remember when I worked at Sanity um, that, you, that we, we sold it. Um, and I kind of saw it and I'm like, what is this? And I just, it just, I don't think it was a thing in Australia. Like, it's never seen. I never heard of it until I saw it on DVD at Sanity. But through kind of you, I remember you've mentioned it, uh, through uh, girls' relationship, I guess, in America, she would always talk up it at Christmas and it was like, you know, it was just obviously a big thing. And I just want to say North America because I realize you're not American. Uh, so, like, clearly it's, like, big deal in America and Canada is this Rudolph thing. So, us Australians, uh, we know it, but we just don't know it. So, anyway, Christmas month is next. So, get excited. <laughs> um, oh, and there's a, there's a, um, there is, a, on a random tangent here, uh, preempting our Christmas month, Noah and I might have discovered a fifth one that we might need to fit in there somewhere because it's got connections to all of us. It's some really random movie that's set in Winnipeg, and it's got, like, Emily DeRaven as one of the stars from Lost. 
Um, and it's like, it sounds completely ridiculous. Um, and Wait, I'm, what's it called? I'm, I'm trying to find it as we speak. It's like Santa something. Um, uh, Santa's sleigh. Um, and it's got, who else has it got in it? Um, it's got Emily DeRavin. It's got another lost actor in it, but apparently it's got something to do with Winnipeg in it. Cause there's a line here. The real killer Santa Claus is boarding a flight from Winnipeg to the North Pole. Um, so we just randomly found this and we're like, we have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we will have to fit it in there. Yeah. Anyway, that's Christmas month coming after Star Wars month. <laughs> the fact that we're already advertising our next month, two movies in is probably not a good sign for what we're covering here in Star Wars month. Um, <laughs> we're about 24 minutes into this episode. We've barely even talked about it. Cause let's be honest, we're going to talk about this. What happens in the film in about 24 minutes. Um, we'll see if we go 24 minutes on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Our story starts long ago, uh, not in a galaxy far, far away this time around, though. Um, and, yeah, we start off and we see a, a crashed star spaceship. Um, I've gone blank. Star Cruiser. Thank you very much. Um, and we meet our beloved heroes, Jeremit and Katarin, um, who we will see for about five minutes in this movie. Um, and, like, right now... You're enjoying some pretty decent acting here on uh, Caravan of Coverage, the Ewok Adventure. Don't get used to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're apparently the worst parents in the world because they've somehow lost their kids and it's never really explained why they've crashed or where they were going or what they would... Maybe they were going to... Um, what, what is the planet that Endor, like, goes around? Uh, Endor. Is <laughs> Remember, this is the moon of Endor. Yeah, but so. that's what I mean. Like, oh, the moon. I thought the moon was called Endor. I thought Endor like went oh, around right. the planet. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Uh, so they were going to Endor. <laughs> there was a concert on or something like that. Um, <laughs> Bro Lives was playing. No, those um, <laughs> the, the Endor Amphitheater. <laughs> one of those like orb things in um, Revenge of the Sith when uh, Palpatine's telling Anakin. Well- the water opera. Yeah, the water <laughs> opera. They're off. It's, it's touring. It's on Endor. It's huge in the Star Wars galaxy. It's a reunion tour. Um, but they've crashed. Oh, damn. They're going to miss the concert. What a shame. Um, and, you know, they're, they're walking around yelling out, uh, we're not mad at you. You know, okay, cool. Um, and then this big monster comes. And then this monster's got a name in it. Don't tell me. Um, I did write this down somewhere. Rack. Yeah, or tell me. Sorry. Um, <laughs> just trying to speed this along. Come on. God, we should be at the end by now. Um, a Gorax, which, as I saw explained in this comedy review, and I, again, I could have just stolen this myself and made it seem like I'm a comedic genius, which I am, but I thought I'd give credit. And I can't remember the name of this YouTube channel. But this guy referred to the Gorax as John Travolta in Battlefield Earth, and I can see the resemblance. Um, <laughs> rocks up, raw. Um, <laughs> this is almost like, uh, for your eyes only, I'm just doing all the sound effects. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we're going to get that. I made a note of it too. <laughs> horsies. Um, but, um, yeah, so we get the credits and uh, one thing I will, I definitely did like about this film is I really enjoyed the soundtrack. I thought the music was great. Oh yeah. Um, and we got a bit of the, uh, that Ewok sort of theme from the return of the Jedi's. And was it just me? It was like that main sort of theme really sounded a lot like E.T. Like the E.T. music. I made a note that it's like, this is the most 1980 to 1985 soundtrack we'll ever hear. 
Yeah, what was some big songs uh, from the 80s? Like Thriller involved in here somewhere? Um, Wake me up before you go, go. <laughs> uh, Madonna started in like the early 80s, so... Uh, <laughs> on. Have to bring her up somewhere. But um, <laughs> anyway, we've got all these Ewoks. They're just hanging out. Uh, <laughs> and we hear that Deej has lost one of his sons. Oh, Deej! Not again! It's like a, it be like <laughs> a sitcom. Deej! Oh! It walks the field in front of a live audience. Um, and, I mean, I, I, I think, like, the narration here by Bill High is, like, it's great. He just goes off halfway through this movie and chills somewhere. Then he comes back and goes, oh, shit, I'm still narrating a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Like he just there are large portions of this film where he's just not narrating. It's like they just don't make their mind up because we've got great acting mm. by the kids. Um, <laughs> but, um, so Deej, he's lost his son. Everyone's losing their kids in this movie. It's not a good film for, for parents. <laughs> Deej, you're as bad as Jeremy. Come on, you really are. Um, so um, he's got a the hang glider and there's goats nearby and. It's wicked. Like, this is wicked where we get wicked first, but isn't it? Here he comes. Um, and then the goats chew off the rope and off goes. I don't get this. Like, why are they all like, no, don't chew the rope, goat? Because, like, he's about to be launched and he's all like, ah, oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> like, I mean, the kids would be rolling in the aisles at this point. Um, I've written here, Ewoks have goats. Cool. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. There was no money in the budget to make them banthas or dewbacks or anything else. (laughs) What do we got this time, George? Well, I was thinking about some type of, like, you know, giant rhinoceros cross with a chicken. (laughs) Yeah, so we ran out of money uh, on Sindel's wig. So how about a goat? Well, I guess it'll do. Is this the only time we ever see actual... Earth animals in a Star Wars movie. Um, I, I mean, think so, yeah. You know, there you go. Statistic, uh, breaking it. Um, sure, that's on IMDb trivia. Um, and one thing, and you're probably going to, I don't know if I'm dumb here or you've never noticed this before, but I never realised that like Ewoks kind of have like two fingers and a thumb. They've got like, what, three fingers? I don't know. That's something I noticed in this movie. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I think they call them paws, but... Well, paws. <laughs> yes. You know, <laughs> sure. Um... So Deej is like chilling in the air in his hang glider and he sees a shiny thing, uh, but he doesn't give a shit about that yet because he's got to find his son, um, sons, um, and they're hanging on a rock. Uh, so he shoves down a rope and that's all he does. He doesn't like lift them up or anything. He's like, here's a rope. I'm like, thanks, dad. Uh, <laughs> I've written here, I've tried to write down what the Ewoks are saying. I've written here, shall do, shall do. And... Uh, <laughs> Shall do. I don't know. I've written here, and um, then there's a bit here where I swear uh, they like he swears. He says like "oh fish" or something like that, and I'm like, "That's Ewok for fuck." Uh, well, there's there's also the phrase that's used constantly, which is "lardo." Lardo. <laughs> that's just calling him fat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've written here. Gives them rope and buggers off. Uh, that's that's if this is Australian narrating it. Here comes, here he comes, Deej, gives him the rope and just buggers off. Um, but they get the rope, they fall down the cliff. That's where I've written they swear. That's cool. Um, Deej is there. I don't know where the glider's gone. He's parked it somewhere, but now they have to walk. So, I mean, there's a, there's a glider somewhere hanging in the forests of Endor. 
Um, <laughs> you know, you can help yourself to. Um, and again, this is set before Return of the Jedi. So, you know, Luke didn't have to get one of those land speeder things. He could have just chilled on the, the glider. Um, so anyway, they find the Crash Star Cruiser. Um, they're all sort of looking. I mean, I'm enjoying it at this point. I'm liking the Ewoks, just going through the forest and looking in the spaceship, and it's fine. Like, okay, cool. Ewoks, you know? Um, and then what do they find in the spaceship? Oh, introducing Aubrey Miller. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is so sad. I can see why she's not a household name in uh, in today's <laughs> world. Um, so anyway, this you know uh, they're all like, oh, poor little girl, it's all cute. They're all like, oh, you know, here she is. And all of a sudden, who else rocks up? Oh, here's his steamed Eric Walker as Mace Tawani. Um, I was going to say Mace Windu. Not really family resemblance there. Um, <laughs> he's got a gun, and they're just trying to protect his sister. I've written here the Ewoks get rapey. I don't know what I was watching. Um, <laughs> but we, we first of all hear some of the great acting, and I'm going to try and uh, do my best impersonations here. Get your hands off her. No, Mace. No. Don't hurt him. He's my brother. <laughs> wait, wait. You can't forget. That's it, mop face. <laughs> Um, I'll just quickly go over this until we get back, and then uh, I'll mention about the acting. Um, so they they put Mace on the sticks as Ewoks do. Um, that has to hurt. Like I wish I might watch Return of the Jedi, my Han Solo, and they're hanging upside down. Like God, that's got to hurt your shoulders. Um, but the little girl's fine. Let's make her walk. Clearly, the Ewoks are sexist. Um, so, did they have Leia on the sticks? I don't think they had Leia on the sticks. No, because she was already back chilling in the no. trees. So, yeah, they never put the girls on the sticks. Um, so, anyway, um, we get back to the Ewok house. Um, I've written here, come into the rape cave. I really am sick. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> a children's movie. How do you twist these things around? Because it makes it entertaining for me in my head somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, we get some more great lines. Sindel, are you okay? Uh, do you guys have anything to eat? Food, food, eat. Um, and then we get <laughs> Diva Sindel, not hungry. I don't feel so good. Sindel, are you okay? She faints. I wish Dad was here. He'd know what to do. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we don't need any more food. You were just begging for food five seconds ago. And now you're just like, no, I don't want any. Uh <laughs> But it's, it's medicine, Just pour some juju juice down Sindel's mouth. Um, and, oh, God. You'll be all right, Sindel. you got to be all right. I want mummy. Where's... Shut up. Uh, <laughs> We're sorry for everybody who tuned in to listen to a podcast. This is simply a table reading of the script of Caravan of Courage. That's all the lines. Like, the thing that I have to say, like, I'll, I'll sort of cap it here because, oh, there's, like, so much going on here. Oh, Wicket brings a flower because he's into Sindel. Um, <laughs> why not? Um, but I, I mean, I guess we can kind of just keep going on here until we get to the, uh, the tree bit. The tree, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, they're just complaining. They're out of medicine. We need more. We need more. Get some more. She's sick. Please. It hurts. Um, <laughs> like legitimately, whenever these kids have lines, they're saying the same thing for 10 minutes straight. It's like, 
food, you've got yeah. food, food, food. You've got like just repeat, 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 you know, rinse, stir. And then it's kind of like they say something <laughs> back. So the Ewoks don't even speak in this film and they've got better lines and they act better. <laughs> like, remember how you hate like old ladies uh, or old people yeah. in films? And I've said like, well, I don't like children when they can't act. Like when children can act, fine, I'm, I'm there, like it's great. But like when children can't act, they give me the absolute shits. Like, this is this film. I care not at all for these kids. And literally, Mace is maybe the biggest shit character I've ever seen in children's characters ever. Oh. He's like a little shit. He just does everything that's against everything and then complains about everything. I mean, he legitimately has, like, nothing in this movie that is redeeming about him. He sticks his hands in trees. He looks at the water. He complains about fairies and then molests them. Um... <laughs> Throws away his rocks. He just gets devery about his rocks, and then all of a sudden he's bitching, oh, I wish I hadn't thrown my rocks. Shut up! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so they're the kids out of the way. But, um, yeah, I, I legitimately at this point, I think, have looked at the timestamp. Oh, I'm only like 15 minutes in. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um, so we've got the kids. They're lost. They're trying to find their parents. Hmm. Um, a couple of plot holes I want to point out here. A couple? Uh, one is, well, I don't even know if you call it plot holes. <laughs> Let's call it, you know, uh, dumbest characters, worst parents ever, whatever. The parents are like, Oh, where are these kids? We can't find them anywhere. Like, well, let's check the star cruiser one more time. And they peek inside. They're like, Nope, they're not there. Sindel's inside the whole time. And this thing is approximately 50 square feet. <laughs> so like, how hard were they looking in here? And then later on, I don't think it's we're at the point of the movie, but Mace said something like, we should have never left the Star Cruiser, Sindel. But you didn't! <laughs> you in the closet the whole time! He did. She just, didn't. Yeah, maybe he did. I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's it's kind of a mess as to how this happened or how these parents lost them. But I did notice the same thing. Like, Deej is just as bad of a father. <laughs> he's maybe a little bit worse because, as you said, he's just like... Okay, kids, here's some rope. Find your own way home. See you later. <laughs> but, like, the Ewoks do have personality. And, you know, we're, we're kind of making fun of, like, nothing really happens in this movie. But you make a very solid point that the Sindel and Mace, when they talk, it's just repeating the same lines over and over again. Uh, and the Ewoks, even if they're not having dialogue, they're doing things when they're on screen, you know? Uh, they're playing with goats and uh, playing with horses. Or they, they just do a lot of playing. <laughs> but they have personalities. And I think that's kind of one of the things that Ewoks don't get enough credit for, is that if you watch them even Return of the Jedi, they all have their own unique personality. And the, the, the performers behind the Ewoks do a lot, which was basically a teddy bear suit. And, you know, Jamie kind of mentioned one complaint she has is that Ewoks kind of have dead eyes. You know, their eyes don't move. And they did correct that in the Blu-ray, or George Lucas changed it in the Blu-ray, where at least Wicket's eyes can move, which actually you'll find out in the second part. They gave Wicket motorized eyes so he can move them around a little. But these things have no expression. Their mouths don't move, nothing. And yet we get a lot of personality out of them. Uh, I'm I'm being a little bit critical on you know, Sindel and Mace, but... I'm not going to be as critical as you are because I kind of like that Mace is like, you know, this this useless character that just has nothing to complain all the time because he reminds me a little bit of Luke in A New Hope. I was, I was honestly thinking that he did give me a few Luke vibes. So yeah, I, I yeah. felt that. And I, most people complain about Luke. About nowadays, as we said, his reputation's turned around. But growing up, people would always be like, oh, I hate Luke. Luke just does nothing but whine the whole time in A New Hope. 
And I'm like, well, that gives him character still, you know, it's, it's something memorable about him. Not every character has to be, you know, the, the bravest guy in the room. Um, even Han Solo is not the bravest guy in the room, but I don't mind a whiny character. And at least with Mace, I mean, he's whiny, but I, I can imagine with an actor, maybe with a little bit more experience, I didn't want to say talent, but <laughs> a little bit more experience, uh, could have done a lot with some of these lines like mop face or uh, these walking hairbrushes. Like, because he's just kind of a dick to these Ewoks. And I, he's least, a massive dick. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like that he at least has a personality. And maybe it's, you know, uh, the difference a year makes. Let's say Aubrey Miller is five years old when she made this movie. I think you can forgive a five-year-old for the performance no. she gives. Well, <laughs> let's see how you feel when you see six-year-old Aubrey Miller, because I, I do think, even though it's been years since I've seen it, I do think in Battle for Endor, she she carries the movie. That one's pretty much her movie, and it's a lot of just her and Wicked interacting. And I do remember always liking Sindel in at least Battle for Endor. But here, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's just I'm hungry, I'm tired, Mace. I don't want to walk anymore. <laughs> It's it's really a toss up between who's a bigger crybaby between her and Mace. Nice. That's all I really get. Uh, it, I do find it funny though that the Ewoks. I don't know if this is what you were talking about. You know, rapey. I, I didn't you know <laughs> see that, but I don't know. they they pretty much start manhandling Mace. Now, granted, he's holding a gun on these little teddy bears, <laughs> um, but they just brutalize the guy inside the ship and everything. And I basically wrote this is like you know the, like police brutality on an Ewok level. Like, we need to get hashtag justice for Mace out there. It's like, this guy's been a victim of Ewok brutality or something. like. Mace lives right. matters. <laughs> yeah. We want to either see hashtag justice for Mace or hashtag Mace lives matter trending on Twitter by the time this episode goes up. Uh... Um, and then the fact that they give him the medicine... Not going to call it a plot hole, going to call it more. This movie was rushed and out within a year and it was made for kids, so kids aren't going to question it. How do they know what she's sick of? She's not sitting there even holding her belly saying, I have a stomachache. She's just like, I don't feel good. It's like, well, she's sick. Okay. How do they piece two and two? I know just the drug for her. Ritalin. Like, they don't know she what allergic. she's sick from. So what are, yeah, what are they giving her right now? I mean, it's even the leaf, like the feeding her a leaf. What if that's like poison ivy on Endor or something like that? And she just has like this massive rash all over her face the next day. I mean, these are the world's worst doctors and the world's worst caregivers. Now, I think that Sindel just got lucky throughout this. <laughs> it, it bothered me every time she had the medicine. What are they giving her? This could be like heroin for kids or something. <laughs> I mean, Cinda, sure, she's like, I feel so much better. And what we don't see is like, you know, six years later, we have 11-year-old Sindel and she's shooting up, you know, uh, in some cave on Endor. <laughs> because she got hooked on smack. Get a little fix, I'm man. A just one more, man. Just one more. I promise I'll go to rehab <laughs> tomorrow. Please, man. Just one more. <laughs> Sindel's on smack because of some <laughs> irresponsible Ewoks. She's like, we're going to see her like in, in, in um, uh, Last Jedi. She's going to be on like Coruscant or something like that in an alley. She's going to be like, please, man, come on. Hard times. <laughs> um, the only thing I want to mention, I, I do like the Gorax because I think the Gorax looks cool. It looks like a freaky monster. You know, it's not quite at the level of the Rancor, but because it, it's a guy in a suit. But I, I think that the the costume looks great. I think that the effects are all right for the Gorax. Can't say the same for the sock puppets in the tree, <laughs> <laughs> which look pretty bad. Um, and I did just find it funny though. If you want to talk about Mace having a little bit of maybe unintentional personality, 
go back and look at the look on Mace's face when he wants to grab this thing in the tree. It's almost like some sadistic, you know, 13-year-old boy who's going to grow up one day to be a serial They always say, like, serial killers start by torturing animals. He looks like he wants to grab this thing to rip its head off for no reason whatsoever. It's just kind of an awkward moment I noticed while watching this. The thing, like, you know me when I try and find different angles of these, like, you know, six-day, how I'm basically like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the terrorist in this film. He's the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> like... Like, I'm saying this now, you know, Mace, the whole Tawani family are the bad guys in this film. Because, like, you've got the poor old peaceful little, um, you know, Ewoks of Endor. You've got the peaceful Gorax, who, you know, was just trying to find some food. Um, and then he come, you know, the Tawani's on their way to a concert, crashed, and it's the Diva Tawani family, who are like, oh, let's use all your medicine for my sick sister. Too bad if, like, Wicket got sick in two days' time, and they've got no more medicine for poor Wicket. You yeah, know, exactly. like, you know, they're chilling around and, you know, walking, giving out all the little, um, you know, uh, awards or whatever the hell they are. Like, too bad if, you know, what, like, they never gave any of them to, like, Leia and Luke and all that in, like, a couple of years' time. Well, they couldn't because they gave it all to the Tawani family. Uh, yeah, there's going to be, like, a plague that sweeps Endor <laughs> at some point in the next few years. And years from now, you know, Logray and all the other elders are going to be sitting talking about, you know, the uh, the... <laughs> How, how all the children were wiped out because of the Benelin shortage of, you know, <laughs> 1984. But, yeah, um, so they go to get more medicine because, uh, you know, Mace's a little diva and wants shit. Um, and then just, you know, again, half of this movie can we just be written out if Mace just did as he's told and walked along in a line. Like, <laughs> I don't, I've not seen much of the Lord of the Rings because they're still walking, they're still finished. I think I started watching one in 2002 <laughs> and it's still playing on the DVD player. So, I mean, I'll get to the halfway point soon, I think. But, like, I can't imagine, like, of course there's going to be peril and danger along the way. It's a movie, you know. If, if movies had no peril and danger, we would legitimately be over in, like, half of these. But, like, they've got to this tree... And again, somehow he understands them because he speaks Ewok or something. Like, for all that, like, they're all like, oh, we go get medicine. And like, oh, clearly they're going to get medicine. These could be like serial killer Ewoks. Like, as you were saying, they could be like putting a roofie in dear old um, Sindel's, like, <laughs> stuff. And they're like, oh, while she's asleep, we'll take him into the forest and hack him to death. Like, you know, like, yeah. he doesn't well, know you can these understand. people. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, I'm not going to say May should be sitting there listening to say, if, if you land on you know, some moon of Endor and a couple of teddy bears with spears come up and they start telling you, you know, walk, grab that leaf, <laughs> tap that tree. You know, you're going to be like, no, I don't want to stop. Well, like quit poking me with that thing. You and I are big fans of galaxy quest when they crash on that, pl um, that planet. They're like, Oh, how cute are they? And then all of a sudden they've got teeth and they start like attacking. Yeah, and they're exactly. like, rock, rock, rock. And you know, it's like, you know, we're, we're smart. We're thinking like Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver. Um, but so, but along the way, this is my point. It's like, if Mace just wasn't a little shit, then, like, stuff would get done in this movie. He's got to put his hand in a tree, because there's, like, a little porg or something sticking up there, like, rah, 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 rah. Um, <laughs> I've written there, I've literally written, is it a porg? Um, <laughs> from Endor. Um, is porg, like, going to be the new Jar Jar that we're going to hate in this, in this new trilogy? People are already expecting it, but I don't know. I don't think so. There's always someone I you're going to hate. Be... Ewoks, Jar Jar, yeah. Porgs. Uh. Cinder <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, he wants help, and then this dinosaur thing comes out. Cool. Um, so they've got the juju paste. They give it to Cindel. Um, and the next day she's fine. Uh, there's a ferret 
and this poor ferret just trying to run away. Like, if you watch, I just like was watching this ferret. There's a scene where like the Ewoks got it. This ferret literally like dangling over the table, like let me go. And this like Ewok just got his fist on it. Like, don't move, you're my ferret. Um, and like I like ferrets, they're cute, but they're like little shit animals though. They like bite you, and they're kind of you know. Like, it's not recommended to get a ferret for kids. They're kind of shit creatures to keep. Um, but, so, yeah, we've got her, uh, Sindel trying to explain that they crashed in a Star Cruiser, which is kind of a cute scene. I do kind of like, um, is it Wicked who's got the horse? Who brings out the horse? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of funny. Star Cruiser, whoosh. Star Cruiser, crash, <laughs> But this is the thing, like, the Ewoks just have more personality and are more fun to watch, and they're just, like, literally just yeah. repeating human words. Star Cruiser, whoosh. Star Cruiser, whoosh. Um, I just kind of like that. Um... And what is this where it seems like, I wish we had furry animals like you and my, where I'm from. Um, we'll just take a couple with you. <laughs> you know? You'll just kidnap a few Ewoks. What are they going to do? Fly after you on a hang glider? Um, well, I mean, I guess they did take down the Empire with some rocks and sticks and logs. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, oh, Mace wakes up. What are you talking about? Um, and basically, he's all like, nah, we can't stay here with these walking hairbrushes. Probably the best line <laughs> that Mace delivers in the entire film. Um, so they leave. Um, there's... I, I wrote it... Did you notice, like, I think when it transitioned to night, they kind of... You got, like, a cutaway of some random monster. Is that meant to be the Gorax, or is that another monster? I don't know if you were paying attention. No, to I think thing. that one looks like a wolf or something. The wolf axe or something. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wolf axe. So, they leave. Um, they run away. Mace, we're lost. Please, can we rest? I'm tired. Oh, we better build a fire. And it's got this cool little, like, laser fire lighter. That's cool. I want one of them. Um, and I just love this. How long have they been missing to this point? Like, 24 hours? I don't know. Um, so then we get this great conversation. Do you ever miss mummy and daddy? Like, they've been gone for, like, yes. 30 years. <laughs> I made the same note. It's like, why don't you ever talk about them? It's like, because it's been 36 hours, Sindel. I've got other stuff on my mind. I've just been kidnapped by teddy bears. Are we not talking about this? Like... <laughs> We're just, we're just normal. A sock puppet tried to bite my arm off. You want me to be crying about mommy and daddy right now? There's probably like a human planet in the Star Wars galaxy where they never come in contact with aliens and, you know, creatures and things like that. Mm. So this is their first ever interaction with some form of alien creatures. Um, so, you know, he's trying to compute it right now. Um, but, and this is when we get the, oh, if I, like, as you were saying before, if only we hadn't have left the cruiser, um, what is he, like, is this where he's, like, bitching on about, oh, I'm such a terrible person, if sometimes I just did yeah. what I was, you know, oh, I wish, I'm just, well, you should listen to yourself. If you listen to yourself at this point in the movie, you're not going to be a diva and throw away your rock and touch water and get stuck under it and shit. Little shit of a kid. Um, I will protect you. I will be mum and dad. What is he, gender neutral? Like, I mean, I don't... <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> Um, then out of nowhere, a giant, like, rabbit, chicken, rhino thing comes up. What is that? Um, 
it's obviously there'd be a name of an article on it, Wikipedia somewhere. Is it Wikipedia? That's what they call their version. Um, as he's running away, do you notice that like Mace has obviously gone to the stormtrooper school of shooting because he just keeps shooting the tree? Like every single, <laughs> I don't know if they've just recycled this shot about three times, but as he's running away, every single time he shoots, pew pew tree, pew pew tree, pew pew tree. That's it. And then they hide in a log. And this giant creature is the dumbest creature in all of Star Wars because it, like, literally has this massive gap. Its head can fit in there. Its claw can fit in there. But it just, like, reaches in about 30 centimetres. Like, these kids should be dead. Like, that thing should be ripping it to shreds with its claws. Um, I think you're just waiting for them to die. This uh, is just your own rage issues when it comes to child actors. I don't think I've ever wanted anything more in a movie. Um, <laughs> so, all of a sudden, it goes away, and they're all like, oh, we better spend the night. So, they just fall asleep. Cool. I mean, if I'm being chased by, like, a giant thing like that, I'm not just going to be like, oh, okay, let's go to sleep. I'm going to be like, fuck, we nearly died! Like, we're going to... Ah! Like, mm-hmm. I'm losing my shit. I'm panicking. Um, there's literally shit in my underwear. So, like... <laughs> These kids are like, oh, let's go to sleep. Do you ever talk about <laughs> mummy and daddy? Shut up. <laughs> so they wake up the next morning. The Ewoks are going to town on it. Um, and there's smoke coming out of its mouth after it dies. Did you notice that? Like, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> apparently when you kill one of these things, it smokes. <laughs> but I guess the purpose of this is because on it, oh, it's daddy's life monitor. Which, they're all like, oh, it means he's alive. And I'm thinking, so is this, like, connected to him so they can see its lights that he's alive? Or, because, I mean, if it's not on him, he could be dead. He could be, like, in that creature. So, like, I'm assuming a life monitor is some sort of thing that people wear in this family because they all think they're going to die. Like, why do they wear life monitors? Yeah. Uh it's a, it's a good point. I mean, they, these come back in Battle for Endor, and because I, I think I saw that movie first, I never really paid as close attention to this one, but I always assumed that those bracelets was what told you, like, when the bracelet's on and it's detecting your heart rate, you know, okay, Jeremy's still alive, but uh, I don't know, they must have, like, some transplant inside their heart or something like that. It's, it's, it is quite complicated. I don't know. I can't really explain it to you. Come on, George Lucas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this apparently means they're alive. They start talking about how they're probably sitting around thinking about it and missing us. I wish they would then just cut to their parents, like, chilling in this cage, playing cards, like, talking with the Gorax, going, ha, 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 this plan worked. We don't have to have our kids anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so this then leads them to uh, an old um, Ewok, um, which... Libre, is it? Low Gray. Low Gray, of course. And he was in Return of the Jedi too, if you recognize him. Oh, because he was the one with that weird skull hat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought he did look familiar. Um, I've seen him in other movies too. But so he's got a... <laughs> Thing is, in Titanic. Uh, so they're like they're, they're reshooting House of Cards right now with Low Gray in yeah. Kevin Spacey's spot. They're actually they're actually going back through all Kevin Spacey films because he's just the worst. <laughs> so like Low Gray is uh, Lex Luthor in Superman Returns. Can't wait. Um, in American Beauty gonna be amazing. Uh, <laughs> so he's got a weird spinny top thing that can see shit, and he sees the parents in a cage, and we see the. Um, the Gorax, and basically it's in an area where no Ewok has ever survived before. Oh, no. 
Um, we d- we then kind of get a few. I'm just skipping over so much here. There's um, <laughs> not really in depth stuff we're going to go into here. Um, I've written here the Ewoks make out. There's a bit there with like the Ewoks kiss or something like that. They they weird kissing. Um, and then this is where one is it Wicket says like we help you yub yub. Uh, <laughs> like we actually get yub yub. Um, and then we get a traditional Ewok ceremony where they hand out, like, all different things to people. There's, like, red feathers, white feathers, tokens of warriors. This is before they go on their journey. And we get Diva Mace getting shitty because he got a rock. Uh, he wanted a crystal. I got a rock. (laughs) A rock? Shut up. Um, (laughs) is this where the crystal turns into a uh, lizard? Or am I waiting? Um, Yeah. Um... No, that might be later, yeah. Uh, and then there's a, a horse, and it's got, like, a shed on it. I don't know what it is. Um, and then I'm just... I, I, I will get here to talk here, but I mean, we legitimately cut so much out of this here. Uh, so they start their journey to go to this section where, obviously, their parents are held by the Gorak, and they meet along the way a couple of other Ewoks. There's one chopping down trees that nearly kills them, uh, but he's a warrior. And for some reason, Macy's all like, no, you're no warrior, throws a axe at a tree, then lands the axe in. It's like, oh, I've never seen that before. But then he walk doesn't want to come along. So he gives him a tooth and he wants to come along. Cool. Um, this is when we first hear uh, Bird Eyes, who's decided to show up again and narrate. Um, it's the Caravan of Courage. Um, and then we get uh, another Ewok here. They give it a crystal... Uh, that's where it turns into the lizard. Um, mm-hmm. I might stop there before we get to the water scene, just because. Uh, I think yeah. I've covered a fair bit there. <laughs> I've probably missed about 30 things, but yeah. Anyway, they're walking and they're on their journey. Uh, just going back to that Star Cruiser, whoosh, Star Cruiser, crash, crash. <laughs> uh, I had only seen this movie once as a kid, and the only reason I know that I saw it because I remembered nothing about this, like, you know, years later when I was an adult and I found these movies. Uh, but I always remembered everything about Battle for Endor. And we would, as kids, we would always quote that line over and over again. And I always remember that. So, I, you know, I was like uh, 18, 19 years old and I would still remember Star Cruiser Crush, Crush. Uh, and that's the only reason I know I ever saw this movie, which should have told me <laughs> that maybe this movie wasn't so great. Because <laughs> if I remember one line... And I can remember the entire second movie then. I mean, that should have just been a clue. There's only one good part of this movie. Uh, there's um, uh, 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 weird things here. Like, they're basically runaways. Like, why are they running away from these Ewoks? They don't know where they're going. They didn't take any food. They could have lifted some food from the Ewoks <laughs> if they were going to try and run away again. I don't know. Uh, that whole, do you miss mommy and daddy thing, that bothered me too. Um the the snout attack okay so this is what i wanted to talk about earlier <laughs> this creature is basically just a giant snout um i think that it, it works it's a little bit intense you know when it's coming at them in the tree but yeah you bring up an interesting point maybe it should have gone a little bit longer it should have tried a little harder to get in the tree but it's when the ewoks are fighting it later on that i really liked it and this is where i think this succeeds a little bit more than return of the jedi because when you see the ewoks against the stormtroopers maybe it's because it's played more comically there uh and maybe here it's just played a little bit more seriously and it's kind of this tense sequence. I think it's because the creature is a little bit scarier than a stormtrooper is, but it could be anything. It could be the music, who knows. But there's something about this sequence and other ones that come up. But when you see the Ewoks using their primitive methods of fighting, 
it actually plays better. And everybody's heard, you know, George Lucas's reasoning by what he wanted to accomplish by including the Ewoks, which, of course, in Star Wars were really supposed to be the Wookiees. But he wanted this primitive race that could defeat, you know, the evil technologically advanced empire. And that is pulled off, I think, a lot better here, even though they're not fighting anything that's technologically advanced. Uh, but I just I like the action scenes with Ewoks and just I don't know. Do you do you see the same thing? Like, do you think that plays better than Return of the Jedi? I never really thought about it until you said it, but I agree with you. Um, I, I think yeah, it's Ted's music's great, um, and I this is kind of one of those moments where I weirdly think the special effects actually kind of hold up. Like, I mean, I know when, kind of when they cut yeah. away and it's sort of you can clearly tell it's 1980 special effects, but I mean, it's mm-hmm. it still actually I think doesn't look too bad. Like, I mean, again, this is a TV movie with TV movie budget. So you would expect it to look a bit worse. But, I mean, this looks something that would just, you know, square and simple be in, uh, you know, a Star Wars movie at that point. So what's... I, mm-hmm. You mentioned it a few times, but the... um, What's the name of the big creature when Luke's stuck in that... Uh, the dungeon thing and he... Uh, the Rancor. The Rancor. I think it almost looks better than yeah. the Rancor. So... Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's close, yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there for sure. Um... So, when they see the life monitor, which I basically... That's Dad's Fitbit! Why is this thing wearing Dad's Fitbit? <laughs> yeah. one of these articles now. where they, like, you know, you always say Simpsons predicted the future. Where's Caravan of yeah. Courage and Ewok Adventure predicted Fitbits? He hasn't been Jeremy doing his steps today! <laughs> Dad's it getting fat. the heart rate thing. <laughs> like I was explaining earlier with the heart rate. Uh, there's a weird delivery of one line, and I think this is just... You know, oh, this is a rushed movie. We can't get everything perfect. Where Mace says, "Why is this on the thing?" Thing, and he says, "Thing." Instead of, did you hear that? He, he's very gangster, Mace. He's uh... <laughs> yeah. So, Why is this on this thing? <laughs> I didn't notice um, that, but anyway. <laughs> Logre the Mystic here with the world's biggest dreidel. Uh, <laughs> could have come up with a better design for the seeing stone or whatever it is. Uh, but I, I always thought the Gorax was kind of scary. Um, and, you know, seeing it, just the glimpses of it here through the dreidel, I think uh, it's it's somewhat effective. But t- one of the things that's totally ruined, you know, my illusion of, oh, the Ewok movie wasn't so bad, uh, is not even just the delivery, but just the line itself of, it looks like a monster or something really big. <laughs> and he's saying, he's like screaming it. He's not even saying it. It looks like a monster or something really big. What's the difference? That's kind of like... <laughs> Sandal, look at those teddy bears or something <laughs> relatively smaller than us. <laughs> such an awkward line. Um, <laughs> like everything in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they mentioned like the land that no Ewok has ever returned from. And I have a question coming up on that later on. Uh, the goodie bags that Logre gives out. <laughs> Here's it. I do see your point with Mace. I just choose to say like, you know, maybe with a better actor uh, more time on the performance. I think this could have been kind of a fun character because some of the things he does get whiny and complain about are hilarious. Like he's he tries to grab all these other you know goodies that they have there, and he's like, "Well, I get stuck with the rock, really, Mace. You would have been more happy with the feather or the stick. Exactly. You know, is the rock that <laughs> less exciting than a stick? <laughs> and and like, there's a tooth in there. Like you don't know where that tooth has been." I mean, this could be like Wicket's baby teeth or something like that. And it's like, no, I want that. Forget about the rock. Give me like the disgusting, rotten, you know, cavity-ridden tooth there. Um, and that, Which is immediately followed by, 
well, one of many scenes on horseback in this movie where he starts complaining, how come I don't get to ride a horse? That horse is like half of Mace's size. He would crush it in about three seconds. And he's complaining he wants to run, uh, ride this thing. It's just, oh, doesn't really make any sense. Um, the the two Ewoks they pick up along the way, I, I feel like this is George Lucas's, you're familiar with like, you probably haven't seen any of his movies because you would have to be able to read the subtitles. But like Akira Kurosawa, who was George Lucas's, you know, filmmaking idol. Yeah, oh, sure you've, 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 about him you've talked up. about it before. Yeah, yeah. So you know, George Lucas's favorite filmmaker, Kurosawa, and Star Wars is actually that would be something fun to cover if we ever wanted to do uh, random Star Wars movies. Is the uh, Hidden Fortress, which Star Wars began as a remake of this, you know, Kurosawa movie, The Hidden Fortress, just a sci-fi setting, and. Kurosawa's most famous movie is called The Seven Samurai, um, which is a great movie. It's three hours long and feels about half the length of this. Uh, but this is extremely similar where they're sort of picking up their people along the way and offering them gifts and like the whole thing with the axe throwing. So I think this was George Lucas's like random Kurosawa nod here. Uh, but I kind of like the axe throwing character. I don't love him as much as Mace has like the man crush on this Ewok, <laughs> which really makes no sense because they have like this one bonding moment like, hey, we can both throw an axe. You're an all right guy. <laughs> and it's just like gets really weepy later on and bizarre. Uh, but I-, I like, again, that we're being introduced to these Ewoks who immediately have personality. They have their own quirks and everything. The princess, does she do anything from this point on in the movie, though? I mean, I like her introduction, but like, I don't think that she even exists after this. Um, she, no. Uh, I mean, it's it's lots of strong female characters in uh, Caravan of Courage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the thing with the princess here with that weird stone where she gives it to Mace and turns into a lizard, and everybody, like, gasps, like... <gasps> And he's like, all right, it turned into a lizard. I don't know if this is supposed to imply, like, this is, like, representing your personality. Well, then Sindel, little five-year-old Sindel, innocent Sindel, holds it, and it turns into a rat. And nobody's upset about this. It's like, lizard or rat, which one do you think? Like, Sindel's obviously the bad seed here. If she holds this thing and it turns into a rat, like... What else could there have been? A snake? And that would have tipped them off that, you know, Sindel's the real problem well, here? Well, in a drug-induced um, coma's in the future, she's just a rat. She rats out on everybody. Like, yeah, Johnny over there, yeah, he's yeah. selling drugs too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> like, she's a rat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, see, this is it. It's just predicting the future. Um, I am being corrected by Jamie now that her name is not Sindel. It's Sindel. Uh, which oh. <laughs> that was Jamie. Oh, of Jamie course. Jamie it actually is Sindel, but Jamie kept saying, what a weird name, Sindel. I'm like, well, it's not weird because it's Sindel, not Sindel. <laughs> I thought her yeah, name was yeah. Cinder, like Cinderblock, and I'm thinking like a Cinderblock can actually Cinder? act better. Yeah, I thought it was Cinder. I was going to call her a Cinderblock, this whole recap, but I'm like, no. And then yeah. Jamie would have been in the background going, no, not a Cinderblock, a Cinderblock. Well, see, I, I continue to mock her, and I'm like, you know, what a weird name that Wiket is, and <laughs> uh, Juramet. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sindel here. Uh, she's a rat, apparently. Gorax. And everybody's, everybody's all happy. Yeah, the, go- the Gorax. <laughs> mispronounce everything from on. But everybody prefers the rat, apparently, over the lizard, which is just funny to me. Of, here, we get to my favorite scene after this, so, so I'm excited. Uh, the one where he nearly dies. Instead of Mace, it's Mackie. Mackie Um, you mentioned about like another actor might have been better Eric Walker really hasn't done much (laughs) he's done more than Aubrey Miller he went on to be in and you thought your parents are weird Um, yep 
I know what that is. But uh, you mentioned about like other actors might have done better. So I've just quickly Googled uh, actors born in 1970. So who else could have been in this role? Uh, Matt Damon was born in, you know, could have had Matt Damon uh, this role. Um, Shamar Moore, isn't he in like NCIS or something like that? Or one of those sort of yeah. shows. River Phoenix could have been there. Um, hey, he was a George Lucas guy a few years later. Yeah, there you go. See, like, you know, uh, Vince Vaughn, maybe? Uh, oh. You know? Vince Vaughn would have made... No, that I'll get. Vince Vaughn would have made a great mace. Simon Pegg? <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Well, I'm looking here at the Imagine females. Well, we could have had Melissa McCarthy. We could have had Mariah Carey. Um, Melania Trump. Melania Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Tina Fey. Uh, <laughs> Nia Long, Uma Thurman, uh, <laughs> Leah Remney, um, you know, Julie Chen, uh, <laughs> so, you know, Amy Jo Johnson, the can, Pink Ranger. Can we, can we please get Julie Chen as Mace? Like somebody recut this thing. <laughs> Just the Julie Chen. Wow. <laughs> That's pop face, but first. <laughs> I want Melania Trump coming in there, like, stealing lines from Michelle Obama or something like that. No, she'd steal it from Princess Leia. Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? <laughs> <laughs> she'd be less stoned, but um, this photo on this website, I don't know about that. Um, wow. Somehow we brought Melania Trump into a Star Wars episode. Um, so, is this your favourite scene when he's, like, chilling near the water and he, for some reason, wants to yeah. touch it? Um, <laughs> why? Like, what? What? Why? <laughs> he just likes to put his hand in things, Mace. Um, it is weird. It would have made a lot more sense if he was like washing his hands or something, other than like this thirteen-year-old boy is like, "What is this weird clear substance that has this wetness to it?" I wonder if like Mace was named after the esteemed legend of Mace Windu. Like, you know, is Mace a common name in the Star Wars galaxy? Well, I think so because. Uh, at least in George Lucas' mind, because a little bit of trivia here, you know, you can go back and read some of, like, George Lucas' original story treatments and even original drafts of Star Wars scripts long before it evolved into A New Hope, where it only kind of had some similarity. And uh, Mace was always a name that came up with multiple characters, where it was like, there was going to be, at one point, Anakin was going to have the twin. It was going to be the backstory of Anakin and his twin brother, Mace. And Hmm. yeah, Mace is a name that George Lucas always seems to fall back on. I actually like the name Mace. I actually like the name Anakin. I would name my son Anakin. Did did that ever pop into your mind when it came to Casper, Anakin? Yeah, I don't think Jamie would have ever let me do it. But everybody assumed when he was born, they started speculating like, well, what are you going to name the kid? It's going to be either Han or Luke or Anakin or (laughs) Jar Jar. (laughs) Wow. Uh, well, it was born. Let's throw Mason there. I was going to say, it. he was born on May the 4th, right? So, it's <laughs> <laughs> very appropriate. Um, so, yes, Mace likes to touch water, um, but apparently, <laughs> this is magical water or evil water because somehow it encases him and he can't break through the water. I'm yawning in this scene too. Um, like, I don't. <laughs> Like, the one thing I'll say about the special effects is that I like the special effects. I think they actually are fairly decent. But, like, if you actually notice when he disappears from the water, you can still see his reflection in the water. <laughs> like, they just didn't... No, I didn't see that. You, like, go back and see the scene when he kind of, like, disappears. Like, it looks good. Like, oh, cool, he disappears. But if you just look at the water, um, Eric Walker's reflection is so clear still in that water. 
Um, and then when he's like stuck and banging on this thing, like it's like because I'm in shield. When they like cut to the Ewoks, like throwing stuff in there, you can't see him. So how do they know? How do they know he's in this water? They're all like twenty meters away from the water before Sindel is all of a sudden like, "Oh, help! Help my brother!" Um, like all you hear is like, rrr, rrr. And, like, he's, like, he's under that water for way too long. He's dead. Wishful thinking. Um, so magic ro- water, it, it prolongs the life a little longer. The rope doesn't work, nothing works, so use the magic stick, um, so that saves him. Um, <laughs> what happened? I was under the water. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, you don't, no, get out, no, you don't say. Wow. I'm That's so- called not knowing how to swim on most planets. <laughs> I'm so glad we've got them here, the script writers, to let us know in case the dumb kids watching this film didn't realise. Um, so then all of a sudden, um, <laughs> Sindel gets stuck in the horse cabin. She <laughs> goes for a little bit of ride. This, I mean, this is all just like the whole purpose of this film between now and when they get to the caves is just overuse of like bad shit happening again. Like I, I get it. You've got to yeah. have these sort of complications on the way. Nothing's ever, you know, valid, but these are all like decisions made by dumb kids. It's not like, you know, mm-hmm. let's, you know, like I'm sure you've seen the labyrinth, like they've got to get to a certain point and then yeah. something you've got to get through it. So like, you know, they've actually got complications that are valid. Oh, and in, in Empire Strikes Back, oh, we're going to go through an, uh, an asteroid field, you know, things like that. Not just, oh, this little kid's a shit. He's going to touch water. Oh, this little kid's a shit. She's going to get in a horse cabin. So let's run away. And she's mm-hmm. way, she is way too calm in that. Like, when they cut to her face, she's just chilling. And all of a sudden, they cut away. She's screaming. Like, I don't get it. Aubrey Miller's face acting, not the best in this film. Uh, <laughs> so they stop the horse. Great. Um, they get some food, but they can't eat it because they've got to go around. Uh, then we've just got fairies. Um, chilling. Um, we learn about a candle that never goes out. Um, so we just get a... I don't even understand this scene. They're all like, ah, fairies! We've got to get rid of them. So let's suck them into a candle. Oh, but wait, there's still one left. She can be my friend. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> These things a second ago you're, like, scared of, and now you're going to like it? I don't... I don't yeah. get it. Um, so... Um, let's see here. I'm just, like, reading through my notes. Uh, oh, they're eating. That's great. Oh, and they get to the caves. Um, this is the Forbidden Fortress of the Goraxes, to pronounce it like... Goraxes. Um, then they basically, uh, they've got this, um, thing that they can get to. And this is where one of them, I swear, says, like, fuck, fuck. And they're obviously saying the rock. And he's like, dumb mace. Oh, my rock! Oh, I threw it away. Like, <laughs> but oh, no, don't worry. Wicket saved it for you, mace, because Wicket's nice. Um, then he, like, I love how he gets it. And then he's like, oh, so happy to see his rock. And then he's like, back to Diva Mace. Oh, it's just a dumb rock. <laughs> like, be grateful that Wicket saved it, you little shit. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. Throws it to the ground. It's got some little pointed thing in it that happens to go to a cave. Oh, how will we get in there? He's got his blaster, shoots it. Do you really need the rock for that? Like, is this the whole purpose of this? Like, could he not just have shot a bunch of random rocks anyway? <laughs> like, yeah. it's right in front of them. <laughs> so, 
Oh, anyway. Um, so they go in the caves. Sindel has to sit there and not do anything. They climb across this giant spider web thing with giant spiders. Um, the Ewoks go across. <laughs> There's a bit with the random green glowing eyes of a spider and a stick. Cool. Um, <laughs> then they finally are in the section with the Gorax. Uh, they see their parents are in a cage with the biggest gaps in the world. Why they're still in this cage and haven't tried to escape, I don't know. Because this Gorax is the slowest thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> so basically, they throw a rope up, climb up. You can see him just literally climb in. Mom, Dad, yay. Uh, we got to get out of there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I do like, um, what's the dad's name? Jeremit. When he's like, what is that? Jeremit. To like the Ewok. He's a friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trust your son. Um, climb down. Uh, and then we just kind of get this fight uh, where they fight the Gorax. Uh, we sadly lose uh, our beloved uh, Chucka. Is it Chucka Troc? How do you say its name? Chuck Chucka Troc? No? It's Chucka Khan? What? Chucka Khan. Chucka Khan. Chucka Khan. What's the Ewok that dies? Chucka Troc? Yeah, Chucka Troc. Chucka Troc. Yeah. Thank you. Um, do you have Chupa Chups in Canada? You know the lollipops? I, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> Are you making that up? <laughs> There's a brand... No, that's why I think they're an Australian brand of, like, a lollipop. They're really big here called Chupa Chups. Um, it's mm. like... Chupa Chup is killed. They are. They're very nice. Um, Chupa Chup is killed. Um, and then poor old Mace is sad. Gives him his axe, his beloved axe. Um, I'm just, like, gelling over this fight. They push the Gorax down a, a like a what is it a a, a valley like a off a cliff uh, that too. Uh, then they think all is well, <laughs> but then it climbs up again and tries to kill uh, Sindel. And that's where my profile picture is, just because I love the look that she has on her face when she's all squished up. She's like, Eeeh! like it's just so stupid. Um, and then they push it off again. Now, like, can I just say this is where I think the, the poor old humans are the bad guys. Because, like, you know, I, I'm guessing the Ewoks and the Goraxes live in some form of, you know, harmony. Because I know it's kind of the land where Ewoks have never returned from. So, like, you know, I don't know why they would go there in the first place. Maybe this Gorax just kidnaps Ewoks and eats them. Um, but, like, all this Gorax is done. They're on this home planet. They've crashed. It's hungry. So, it c- takes the, the parents. For some reason, it doesn't eat them straight away. I don't get that. Why does the Gorax, like, have them chilled in a cage? Is this like a... Han- oh, I have a theory. A Hansel and Gretel thing that he's, like, fattening them up or something like that? Like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, like, you know, he's just doing his... This is, like, no different to, like, if you right, right went out now and, I don't know, killed a, a beaver or a moose or something like that, and... <laughs> well, kidnapped We have it. lots of those here in the urban areas. <laughs> I don't know. You and Jamie are short in food, so you're, you're all like, let's go get a beaver. So you put it in a cage... And you just, you know, waiting a couple of days to cook it. Because, I don't know, you... I mean, maybe the Gorax is waiting for his date to come over on Saturday night or something like that. So, <laughs> like, you're just waiting. But then all of a sudden, a bunch of beavers, like, break into your house, have a fight with you and push you off a cliff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this poor Gorax is just hungry. And these humans kill it. <laughs> so, typical humans invading things and, you know, stealing it. Uh, then we get a nice little um, scene. Son, we're so very proud of you. Oh, thanks for everything. Oh, they, you know, suck up to the Ewoks and then we um, get them celebrating in their um, house. 
Uh, no Jub Jub, uh, sadly. Um, and <laughs> that's the end. It's like, is this the end though? Like, what? What? Where's the happy ending? They're still stuck on the planet. Their Star Destroy is broken. <laughs> Well, there's still Battle for Endor to come. Oh, okay, right. Be patient. Sorry, I can't wait to find out <laughs> what happens. Uh, <laughs> I know I went over that probably way too quickly. You're probably thinking I've missed... I don't know what the hell... I mean, there's... Oh, and the fairy saves them somewhere in the end there, too. We should mention that. The fairy does come back into yeah. play. Cool. Um, <laughs> and we have an emotional goodbye scene to the fairy. Uh, <laughs> I just... Uh, there were legitimately parts of this where I've, like tuned out i've gone on my phone or something or opened up some website and googled like oh i wonder who won the 1999 canadian cricket league or something like that uh and then i've kind of just like loosely written a note down they're still walking oh he's fallen in the water <laughs> like i just like lost absolute um you know interest in it but um yeah that's the quickest i think i've ever gone through something on this show before <laughs> And I actually don't have that much more notes, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, except the pool, I like. I I love that scene with the pool. Um, I think it is kind of, and that that I shouldn't say there was the only the one line I remembered because when I saw this movie again and that part came up with him being trapped in the water, I'm like, oh, I remember this part. Uh, and I think it was something that you know was kind of freaky for me as a kid. I still think it's kind of freaky, even if it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why they could have very easily just had him washing his hands or something, uh, or stumbled into the water, but he just decides to touch it, and it just it really makes no sense. Uh, but the idea of it's kind of freaky, and it's it's a little bit more exciting than what's going to follow after this, which is uh, basically you know Sindel on the runaway horse. Um, they're feeding horses for a while. They're meeting Tinkerbell and her fairies. Um, they're walking up the stairs of the Gorax Fortress. It just there's a lot of long sequences of nothing happening, and at least this thing with the water and the pool, it's something interesting and it's something different. And it's it's the one thing that I uh, always do remember about this one. And when this scene comes up, I'm always excited for the scene, even if I'm not excited for the other stuff around it anymore. Uh, but yeah, the. The stuff that follows this just gets so boring for a while, and I always forget this thing drags. Because uh, it's 45 minutes into this movie. Like, this movie's just over 90 minutes. It's 45 minutes before they really set out on their caravan of courage. Uh, prior to that, it's just two kids around the Ewok huts. And I actually think that's a better movie than what we get for the second half, even though there's some good stuff to come with the Gorax later on. Uh, everything's going at an okay pace, and then it just starts dragging as soon as they get on the road here. Um, when he does get in the pool, you mentioned cricket. I found it funny that Wicket was basically practicing his cr- cricket here uh, <laughs> when Mace gets trapped in the water. Um, wow, a Canadian brought it. up cricket. That's right. <laughs> I saw a million dollar arm movie. <laughs> John Hamm brings the great sports to North America. Uh, yeah, Mace with the rock thing. Uh, this is where I have a bit of a problem not with the rock because hey the rock's a good actor is- leaves the rock out of this <laughs> yes the rock is best supporting actor of uh caravan of courage uh probably is to be honest how, how would the rock be how old would dwayne johnson have been in this? I'll, you, I'll google that you keep going <laughs> yeah you tell me maybe he could have played mace <laughs> um but it's not so much with the rock even though it's kind of weird. My impression is that Logray gave him these gifts because he can see into the future and he knows, oh, they're going to need to find where this door is, but how do they know? Well, let me give them the rock with the secret 
arrowhead that is magnetic to Goraxes or whatever this thing is. But it's the fact they know where to go to find the Gorax. Because they said the land where no Ewok has ever returned. Now, they know what the Gorax is because Gorax comes into their land. But if no Ewoks ever return from there, how do they know where to go? How mm. do they even know where the Gorax lives? Good like, point. this is, you know, days away from there. So, big plot hole. Come on, George Lucas. If we'd given you an extra year, I'm sure you would have turned into Masterpiece. He did. It was called Battle for Ender. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, the spider stuff's pretty cool, too, though, in the Gorax Fortress. And the, the effects aren't great, um, especially when you can see the wires hanging this spider in almost every single shot. And it has no movement whatsoever. It's like, did you ever um, have those gags where it was like a spider uh, that you, like, n- fake spider or whatever, but you could, like, drop it onto somebody? Colin, I live in Australia. We don't need fake spiders. We've oh, got real ones. That's right. Those are real. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We just walk yeah, into this- a room. <laughs> Spider. Ah! <laughs> this just looks like a blown up version of like those fake spiders that you buy to freak people out. There is no movement whatsoever with this thing. You can see the wires. It's a terrible effect. Um, also, have you ever seen Futurama? Oh, yeah. Of course. You know Hypnotoad? Yeah. <laughs> you don't. I can tell by the Yeah. It's just the TV show on Futurama. That's like the most popular TV show. And all it is is 30 minutes of a toad with glowing eyes like this and this really bizarre noise playing. And it's just called Hypno Toad. And that's kind of what this spider is like, Hypno Spider, over and over again. And I don't really get how this hypnotism thing works uh, because it seems to be short-lived and everything. But this this staff with this crystal on it apparently also can shoot laser beams out of it to break the rock off that kills the Gorax later. They could have thought of that when Mace was trying to shoot the doorway open with his gun that never works. Um, they had lots of tools, apparently, that they didn't even think to use. And I don't understand what Tinkerbell is doing in the end. Uh, I also... I will say this entire climax, this is what I was talking about. Watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you'll see how similar all of this is to Rudolph. Um, but I don't get why it's so over-the-top and so uh, kind of dumb every single way they beat the Gorax. Now, this is like the Suicide Squad ending, where everybody gets their part, you know? We mentioned this in our Justice League one. Harley tosses the gun. Deadshot takes the shot. Killer Croc throws the explosives. Captain Boomerang strokes his unicorn or whatever. That's what this ending is. It's like, the Ewoks use a tripwire. And, like, (laughs) everything that happens from there is just one dumb death scene after the other for this giant monster that I think looks kind of scary. And what is he actually beaten by? He's beaten by a tripwire and a rock falling on his head, and he trips and falls, and Tinkerbell. (laughs) And the only thing that really makes sense is the axe, because the axe to, you know, it's it's his neck where it actually lands in. I'm like, okay, that's a death scene, but everything else here is just a terrible way for this monster to go. Plus, he climbs up pretty quickly. Like, this thing is, for, for every time he's roaming around, it's like your typical movie monster that moves in slow motion. And yet we see this thing fall about 300 feet yeah. down before the camera comes away. And 10 seconds later, it's right up at the top and nobody could hear it climbing up the side of this rock wall again. Um, it's a children's movie. We need to remind ourselves of that. <laughs> yes, we um, do. <laughs> <laughs> there's the great death of Chuppa Chup here where, <laughs> as I said, verbatim, the script reads, uh, this is your axe. You're going to need it. You're going to need your axe. <laughs> and he dies. And it just goes on and on. 
It's exactly like you said. It's the same line repeated over and over again, and we don't need that. Um, do I have anything else here to talk about? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So the Gorax, why he has them in a cage. I think this Gorax is a misunderstood guy, okay? <laughs> there's something very... There's something very funny to me about when you get into the Gorax lair that he has a table. Now, nobody else there. There's not like an Ikea for Goraxes on Endor. <laughs> he had to have made this table and chair for himself. And he's sitting down to eat his dinner. Like, this is a pretty, you know, distinguished Gorax here for somebody who just wants to rip the head off of Jeremit. I mean, I think that he has them in the cage because these are his pets. Because he, he sits down at dinner. He has a chair. He has a table. Probably uses a fork and knife when he's not eating chicken off the bone. I'm guessing he tucks his napkin into his beard, whatever it is he does. And he just wanted these people as like a hamster, you know, or a yeah. little budgie. Like, Gorax is misunderstood. That's I my agree. theory. I'm st- sticking to that one. Kill Gorax. Hashtag justice for Gorax. Justice for Gorax. Come on. Like, they, they murdered this. They stick an axe in its neck. After tripping it with a tripwire and hitting it over the head with a rock, it's my beaver example. It, like, come on, like, yeah. And it just wanted it wanted a companion, you know, like like a little pet. It, big, okay. Biggest problem I have here. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm <laughs> jumping the beginning to end, beginning and end. Um, they tell Wicket and his brother and Sindel, oh, the little one should stay here. It's too dangerous. Why are the little ones on this caravan of courage in the first place? <laughs> like, well, they brought Wicked along to try to slay the Gorax from the land that no Ewok has ever returned. And Deej is okay with his two children. I can understand Sindel. You know, she's got nothing to live for if her whole family's dead. Uh, but he's bringing his two babies along, his toddlers. This is like me bringing Casper, you know, uh, out onto a-, a hike in the middle of the Arctic or something like that. Sometimes with, you, you know, wish giant you could. Pl- Yes, like at the beginning of this episode when he was screaming his fool head off. Um, but can you imagine me bringing him on like a hike in the middle of the Arctic with polar bears that you're going to you know, swallow a man whole and he's just wearing a sleeper or whatever. That's what they're doing. And then they decide at the last minute, the little one should wait here. They'll get eaten by the deadly spider hanging from the wire. Um, but this is where you're safe. Why did they bring them along? I'm not complaining because Warwick Davis is the star of... You know, this this movie and the next one and everything made after this. Uh, but it just makes no sense why he's there. Um, and then finally is, you know, your thing about, well, why is the uh, uh, family, why is this a happy ending? You know, we'll see a happy ending for them in Battle for Endor. Just, just you wait. Um, but I did want to mention this is something I want to speculate on, uh, which is that they live in this village that seems to be only about like six huts. And it's clearly like a small town right here. Like right now, they're in Snug in Tasmania. <laughs> uh, when we see them return to the Jedi, it's like they're in Hobart or something like that because they got the giant tree huts and everything. So and then they got the a Winnipeg story. in the Last Jedi. Like they're moving up. That's in the right. World. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And eventually, we'll get to something really exciting like Grand Forks. Who knows? <laughs> but um, it, it's I guess the one clue that this takes place beforehand. But the real question is: Will we find out in Battle for Endor? why Wicked and his family decide to uproot themselves to Hobart. Ah, look, bring it on, I say. Um, The one line I I forgot to mention, when um, the dad, we are two very lucky fathers, and they kind of bullshit you are. You got little shit. I mean, I'd rather be a father of Wicked 
than bloody fucking Macy or whatever his name is. Uh, the Rock, uh, born in 1972, so he's two years younger than Eric Walker. So, <laughs> you know, good. Uh, the Rock in this film would have actually been quite good. Uh, <laughs> so there we go, Caravan and Courage and the Walk Adventure. You know what's actually quite funny is that DC month, every single one of our recaps, you know, three and a half hours. I think uh, Batman v Superman went for like four hours and something, didn't it? Uh, even Man of Steel, I think, went for longer than four hours. We legitimately haven't even come close to getting to two hours in both this one and the holiday special. So, yeah. <laughs> go us! Um, <laughs> you'll probably be able to listen to all four of these in the same amount of time that it takes you to listen to our Titanic recap, also available via the Oz Network. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, before we get to our ratings and everything, I mean, uh, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and do the sequel to this, which obviously was released a year later. Battle for Endor, so we're not really going to mention too much about that. Um, there was a, a book adaptation I'm reading here that was um, put out there. There was a documentary, uh, which actually I was reading about. It's kind of interesting that apparently um, Lucasfilm gave Warwick Davis and um, uh, Eric Walker a, a video camera for them to sort of film some own footage in between takes. So they called themselves W&W Productions, shot a documentary, and then uh, Eric apparently has a YouTube channel, uh, and he released it to his YouTube channel in 2014. So if you want to watch it. Can you find that right now? Can we find out if it has more views than Kill Phil Volume 1 or 2? Um, Colin, yes, it would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to find it to tell you that. <laughs> oh my. Kill Phil 1 and 2 had about three views each, and that's when you and I both sort of made sure that it was working. Um, so, yes, um, and there was, the soundtrack I also believe was released as well. Um, reception, I mean, it got, it got an Emmy, it won an Emmy, um, for Outstanding Special Visual Effects, uh, was nominated, uh, for a few other ones, uh, in a review for the New York Times, John J. O'Connor said that uh, the story is aggressively simple. <laughs> when Mr. Lucas and crew do not come up with anything terribly astonishing. Um, and it says here that they doesn't feel that it was um, filmed anywhere in space. Uh, Marin County serving as a background, wherever that is. Um, Can you reread that line? As in which bit? The Well, the last thing you said about filming in space. Oh, I didn't actually read it. I just made that up. I think I was Marin County serving oh. as a backdrop looking like some Neverland east of the sun and west of the moon. Ne- oh, Neverland. Okay. Never Neverland. Like Peter Pan. Got it. Um, uh, O'Connor recognized most of the interactions as following well-established cinematic tropes, the notable ones being Sindel, looking like one of those little blonde angels used atop of Christmas trees, and Wicket, a performance by the then 14-year-old Warwick Davis, whom O'Connor called the cleverest of the lot. There you go. Um, and I do believe that this is one of those, uh, ones that is officially no longer canon, uh, that Disney, since they took over, and I don't think we really mentioned this too much last week, did we, in terms of how Disney changed the canon of Star Wars, that there's now a Legends canon that they kind of have classified officially, um, so, like, I guess that's Disney's way of saying, like, oh, no, that was shit. Let's put it in the fictional universe of Star Wars, and this isn't part of official canon. So, I mean, do you know much I, about uh, that? Well, see, I do, but I have a bit of an issue with this being included that, because the idea was that after, uh, it wasn't right after Return of the Jedi, but around the early 90s, George Lucas resigned himself to the fact that he's like, 
I'm never going to do, he was already thinking about possibly doing one, two, and three, but it's like, I'm never going to do this episode seven, eight, and nine. Um, uh, and something that we could talk about another episode is that I found, uh, you can see it online somewhere, that the original notes that George Lucas had made for what was supposed to be episode seven, eight, nine. So he did have that idea at one point, and then he decided, I'm never going to do that. So he turned it over to, you know, uh, the novelizations, and they continued on for, I don't know, a good 20 years writing novels that took place till all the way up until Luke was basically where we're at now. He's in his 60s or whatever, and he has his kids, and Han and Leia have their kids, and they're growing up. Uh, and the idea of that was that when they made episode 7, 8, and 9 now, they're like, well, those books obviously aren't canon, but let's rebrand it because people do love those books, and let's call it, what did you call it? Like the Legends. The, they call it like the Legends, Legends series, yeah. or something like that, yeah. So it was kind of meant for the ones that clearly we're writing a different continuity now now why do the ewok movies have to be removed from canon like does it somehow wreck the continuity of the star wars movies to know that this random story took place on endor a few years before we ever see wicket like there's no reason for it to be removed from canon i'm not saying like this is up there with empire strikes back but it doesn't screw anything up for this to exist. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's actually... The, I was trying to find the bit where I read that, and this is where I found it here. Uh, first of two TV-made spin-offs from the original Star Wars saga, Star Wars fans remain split as to whether they should be considered part of the official Star Wars canon. However, since Disney acquired Lucasfilms, this has now become part of the Legends, and therefore it is not canon. So, because um, I think uh, Holiday Special, the only thing that's canon is B. Arthur, isn't it? I think kind of yeah, um, now. So, which look, I mean, it's 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 interesting because I think Star Wars is probably the biggest example of different canons and all these sort of things. Um, you know, I mean, I know I've kind of this is a, a sort of a random thing. It's not really the same, but like I know I've had debates in terms of Australian Survivor fans about whether or not seasons one and two, the ones they did before, sort of the new network acquired it, whether or not they should be considered. And somebody brought up a similar argument where they're all like, "Oh, well, Star Wars redid their canon." Um, but it's it's kind of like That's I don't fiction too, <laughs> like it's. But to me, it's almost like uh, it's not really. It's, it's, it's just it's like the James Bond argument that you know they rebooted it with Casino Royale. But I mean, you know, they're still part of the official James Bond films. It's not like they got to Casino Royale and were like, well, you know, every single film before this is part of the James Bond Legends series. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's I don't know. I I think Star Wars obviously is very complicated in terms of the amount of media and books and stories and TV shows and comics and video games that what do you and do you not classify as canon? Um, but I mean, these I think are two kind of like harmless in between films that real. Like, even the holiday special is kind of a harmless thing that does not affect the grand storyline of Star Wars. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't see why this needs to have some sort of thing officially. Did Disney release a media statement at one point? <laughs> like <laughs> you know, Mickey Mouse they called a press conference. <laughs> Mickey Mouse, hi everybody. <laughs> <laughs> It was under all the pressure from CNN, you know, flashing those uh, hashtags. <laughs> Mickey, Justice Mickey, what about the Ewok specials? We'll be holding a, a press conference about this on Saturday. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I should really pull this up on Rotten Tomatoes, actually. Because, I mean, what do you, do you know much about the general fan? Because there's not a whole lot here about, it's unlike the holiday special, which we clearly know is hated. I mean, is this kind of one of those ones that is hated, or is it sort of in the middle? I mean, what's no. generally the, the fan reaction to this? 
it's probably more in the middle. Um, it's not something that you know people are that crazy about, and it's not something that people have that strong of an opinion on. I think it kind of reflects my opinion, at least on this movie, uh, that it's just sort of okay and it's harmless and for whatever it is. But I mean, the ratings were strong when it came out and everything. I did see one thing recently where uh, maybe it was Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know. Uh, where you could see, again, a clear divide between you know critics' reviews and audience response. But from the people I know who have seen this, nobody really is hating it, but nobody really loves them either. It's just sort of like, yeah, it's all right. 25% critics, 44% audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. There's a review here. Is there such a thing as sucks lovingly? I guess there is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's exactly what I was going to say in my review for this. Yeah. Um... I mean, I don't know if you've got much more to add. I mean, I just, I just want to quickly mention, though, again, like, as I said at the top of this, I enjoyed the, the score of this. The music was great. Mm. Um, you know, I actually, again, the special effects, I actually was pleasantly surprised. Um, and I enjoyed the Ewoks. I guess this is kind of one of those things that if you like Ewoks and can stomach Ewoks, you're probably going to get something different about it. I mean, again, take the humans out of this. I'm liking this a lot more. Um, yeah. And, but I mean, if you don't like the Ewoks, I can imagine you're going to hate this. Yeah, it's going to be funny when we get to Battle for Endor, though, um, because I like that movie more, at least I did when I always watched it in the past, and yet I think it features a little bit less of the Ewoks and a lot more humans, Um, but yet I think it works better. But I also will say, you know, what we do see of the Ewoks in that, I think, works even better than what we see the Ewoks in this one. Interesting, interesting. Particularly uh... Warwick Davis, too, because I mean... There's no denying Warwick Davis. I mean, he's 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 really entertaining to watch, no matter what he's doing, even as a child here. And Battle for Endor, uh, it's that's basically his star performance. The, they did an animated Ewoks show for a while, didn't they? Was that set after oh, both yeah. of these, or was it set before these? Um, I think it was set after, or no, no, it might have been before. Yeah, because I think this is supposed to like lead like right into Return of the Jedi or something like that. But at the same time, I. It was been a long time since I saw it, but I seem to remember they had crossover episodes because it was droids and Ewoks, mm-hmm. and they had crossover episodes. And I know the droids animated series took place um, after A New Hope, uh, or maybe they retconned that or something, like because they have a different master in that. So yeah, it's very confusing. Who knows? There's just something I watched about that droids thing was saying that some of it was set before A New Hope. It was kind of set. I don't know. Like that was just something I was reading. I was. You know, you know when you get in one of these binges where you just want to read shit? I, I do read sometimes. Um, before we get to our rate, I'm just reading some other random stuff here on IMDb trivia. Um, apparently, the Ewoks language is based on Tibetan. Um, cool. Um, this apparently was released in the movies here in Australia uh, and New Zealand, <laughs> um, even though it was a TV uh, movie, obviously, in the US. Um yeah, there's nothing really too groundbreakingly interesting in terms of uh, this. Apparently, there's a matte painting, including Winnie the Pooh, sitting in a tree at some point that you see. <laughs> so, cool. Um, anyway, all right, so let's get to our ratings. Um, what are we doing with this? Uh, I feel like in this section, are we Empire Strikes backing it? Are we Force <laughs> Awakens in it, in it? Or are we Holiday Specialing it? <laughs> This is tough because I said this with Justice League Month. I kind of went in knowing these movies well, all of them, the same as I did the the DC movies, and having this idea of this is what I'm going to do to rate them, and it kind of changes throughout it. Um, 
I thought that I was going to give this like a maybe strong rent it originally, and then I rewatched it, and I'm like, uh, it's probably a lower rent it. But then as we've gone through discussing this movie, I think it's gone down again for me, so I'm probably going to bin this. But I will say it's a bin with a little bit of affection because I think there still is you know, uh, some nostalgia for me in watching this, at least the nostalgia of the water scene and the Star Cruiser crash. Yeah, I'm going to bin it too, but I will say I would watch this over the holiday special. I'd probably watch this over Dirty Dancing maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh- <laughs> But yeah, I mean, look, I just mentioned the things I kind of enjoyed, but just the kids just dragged this down for me, and I just lost so much interest in so much of this in terms of the bits at the end, and yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of the polar opposite to our DC month and the fact that at this point we'd bought both films and we were loving it, and you and I in the Star Wars month, we've been both films right now, um, but uh, yeah, we've got two more to go, and uh, obviously our next one... Of course, is the sequel to this one. Oh, I can't wait till they get off the planet. Um, Battle for Endor. Um, I mean, I've got nothing really to add. Again, never seen it. Uh, I saw a few clips of it in that comedy review that I saw on uh, YouTube. Um, it looks like there's an old man in it. So, <laughs> old men and little children in the Wilford 80s. Wilford Brimley. Are you familiar with Wilford Brimley? Uh, has he been accused of sexual assault lately? So, no, I have no idea who he is. Uh, <laughs> Generally, who I hear of half these people these days. <laughs> yeah, Wilford Brimley is probably most well known for the movie Cocoon, which mm. is about a bunch of old people yep. that you know get powers from aliens. Um, I knew him growing up. He was in like the Quaker Oats oatmeal commercials, but oh. he's he's I guess fairly famous actor from back in the day, and uh, I think he's great in the movie. He's one of the human characters we get. I'm not going to really give away much of my opinion on this because I don't want to talk too much, and then. A week from now, I'm like, yeah, this is the first time I've seen it in a couple of years and it doesn't hold up, kind of like this one. But what I will tell you about is that there's a lot of things that are different with this one. Uh, most importantly, we get a lot more hum- human characters. We get real villains. This is more your traditional story, whereas Caravan of Courage is just like maybe a cheap, you know, low-budget fantasy movie. Um, Battle for Endor has more of a plot to it. It has a lot more characters, uh, has a lot more action, uh, has more villains, uh, and actually has one character in it that it's not Sindel, by the way, even though I think I remember Sindel and Wicket being great in this, especially Wicket. But there's one character in this that I would hold up there. If you're talking about any Star Wars movie, including Rogue One, Clone Wars, Holiday Special, whatever else, uh, one character in Battle for Endor I would hold up there among my favorite Star Wars characters, along with like Luke, Han, Leia, Chewie, and, you know, Jar Jar. <laughs> Paul. No, uh, there, uh, it, it'll be fun to talk about this one character. This, uh, one character just steals the whole movie for me, and I think that's why I always look back on this one uh, a little bit more fondly. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, so that will be next week, obviously, here on the Oz Network, as uh, we get past the halfway point of our uh, Star Wars month and we get ever closer to uh, The Last Jedi, and can I just point out that I might be a little bit more excited to see The Last Jedi than I was. I'm obviously very excited to see The Last Jedi. I love Star Wars, clearly, and got my tickets, all that sort of stuff. But in the midst of doing this review, uh, I legitimately just read that uh, the first trailer for Jurassic World 
2 is set to drop before The Last Jedi. So I was expecting it in November, but apparently they're holding it off to The Last Jedi and it might be released a few days before. So we're actually going to be doing a, a trailer reaction episode for that. We've mm-hmm. only done it for Star Wars before, but we're going to be doing it for Jurassic World because I'm ordering Colin to do one. Um, so <laughs> that's coming in Jurassic World month. Uh, that's next year. This is Star Wars month. So uh, remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all the, uh, of course... Uh, places you subscribe itunes spotify stitcher leave us some feedback while you're there it'll be fantastic um and also of course uh outside of these movie ones we've got our tv coverages as well third watch nip tuck lost they're still going strong survivor yeah it's kind of there (laughs) (laughs) it's out of our control people this is not us being lazy or anything like legitimately we have just been disowned apparently so um, i don't We'll we'll update more of that uh, on uh, Survivor stuff. Uh, Colin, Star Trek, doing stuff. You've got Murder on the Orient Express, I think. Other things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as long as we can find time this weekend, because we're going to be away for a little bit. But uh, mid-season finale of Star Trek happens, so we're, Jamie and I are going to have our last episode until January on that, for sure. And, of course, Daddy's Home too. if I see it. Yay. Uh, but this has been interesting... I really hope these films are starting to get better. (laughs) We'll be back next week for (laughs) Battle for Endor. My name is Ben, and Ben concluded the episode by saying that his name was Ben. (laughs) And my name is Colin, and courage, loyalty, and love are the strongest forces in the universe. R.I.P. Chuppa Chuppa. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.